Okay, here we go. This is Silicon Reel, the video podcast dedicated to the people of the London technology startup scene. I'm Brian Rose. I also host London Reel, which is a similar three-person format. Uh, we had uh, Bruce Perry from uh, the BBC series Tribe uh, a few weeks ago. We've had Tim Ferriss, futurist Jason Silva, and drug smuggler Howard Marks have all been here in studio. Uh, today on Silicon Reel, my co-host is entrepreneur Colin Pyle, who uh, comes to London from Toronto. Uh, you might have seen him uh, riding motorcycles across China and India uh, and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Thanks for being here. Thank you. It's uh, number 14. Number 14. We're not yeah, playing around, are we? Not playing around. It's, uh, it's whizzing by, you know? Are we into our second season now? That... Yeah, we've just got picked up for a second season, I would tell <laughs> Boom. people. Boom. Our, our new hit series, yeah. YouTube. That's when the syndication really kicks in, right? Yeah, yeah. that's when the, I think it's 100 episodes. <laughs> I mean, then it's just a money is, train. Sure. <laughs> Let's get there. Yeah, we're going to work on it. Um, our guest today is Mr. Alex Hoy, who is uh, the co-founder and CEO of The Faction Collective, which is a, a Swiss-based manufacturer of skis, poles, helmets and soft goods uh, previously you were ceo of latitude digital marketing which was uh, one of uh, europe's largest and uh, you've been an active angel investor since i think 06 you're also the founder and maybe chairman of the ice group which stands for the international conclave of entrepreneurs that's the story to that but yeah. uh, i would say co-founder on that one okay co-founder um we got to hear all about ice it sounds um yeah it sounds very uh, very uh, mysterious definitely um alex thanks for being here welcome to silicon Rio. Well, thank you. It's very cool to be yeah. here. You know, it's, it's hard to know where to start with you because, um, you know, you've, you've been around in this business for so long. Um, but I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about digital marketing because it's, it's, a, it's a, a phrase that we hear a lot about. And um, I, I always wonder if there's people making money off digital marketing that don't know what they're doing. And I always wonder if digital marketing is the Levi Strauss of the, the 1849 gold rush. You know what I mean? <laughs> As if it's like those are the guys making the money while all the big corporates – are looking for the gold and don't know what's going on. So I, I at least wanted to get your opinion on that before we get into everything else that you do. Sure. Well, you know, digital marketing comes in different forms. And, you know, if you look at what I think is the coolest and most effective, mostly it's about whenever brands are able to have a dialogue with consumers and you know, they are engaging. And engagement is, is really the evolution of digital marketing and something that you just couldn't really do before. It was always mass media broadcast or something like that. And with engagement, it's about stories. It's about people. Um, so that's the coolest part of what digital marketing is today. And it's not, you know, that different to, you know, PR and, you know, talk shows and stuff like that, but just a lot of interaction. People can talk back, people can get involved. So that's the coolest thing that's going on in digital marketing now. Um, and then with that, um, you know, what I find is a lot of times corporations are, you know, we got, we got to get us some of that. Let's, uh, let's, let's hire somebody to do that. And, yeah. and some of that you can't outsource. You got to be authentic. You got to be right. you know, involved, but that's totally changing the, the structure of, of marketing and the consumer relationship with the brand as well, because then the next step from there is it becomes commerce. Um, and, it used to be that there was a, a, a kind of a cascade from the brand to maybe a distributor to maybe a wholesaler to shop manager to buyer, and now it's straight shop, right? Um, the other kind of new thing in digital marketing is called native, where you know, the line between content and commerce starts getting pretty kind of blurred, um, but in a good way. So the old school way to look at that is fashion magazines, you know, the ads are part of the part of the thing you're buying the magazine for. And, you know, it's, wow, that's pretty cool, that's pretty cool. And in the same way, you know, an article might be talking about travel or something like that, and it just becomes really easy to, you know, get off there and, you know, catch a video on, on the place you're looking at or something. So I think those are the cool areas of digital marketing now. And then there's where most of the money is, which isn't there yet. Uh, you know, those are kind of more on the, on the edge. And where most of the money is, um, people making the money mostly Mountain View. It's Google, right? <laughs> okay, okay. And, Google and ads. Search, search, search ads, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, search ads. Okay. So, you know, when you've got somebody with intent, they've typed in, you know, rental car, beer it's. You know, yeah. You've already solved half your problem. You're not broadcasting. You're really nailing that. And, yeah. and so they really got that well. And agencies uh, and individuals who can help do that marketing uh, may be more qualified or less qualified than, than you might think, but 
I mean, Google just does a pretty good job of getting what's called direct response, and you know, it's hard to beat that. Um, so, but most of that flow through, because of, there's been a lot of competition, because Google does make it easy, and, you know, the margins have definitely gotten a lot tighter for those agencies. You've got to be doing more interesting stuff, like retargeting through display ads. You probably yeah. clicked on something, We've all been and then that, that, that <laughs> yeah. stuff stalked you for weeks. You know, yeah. Across yeah. every website you go to, there Months. it is again. No, I already bought it. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the reason that people do that with the display ads and retargeting uh, with companies like Strock and Criteo or Criteo, however you want to say it, uh, is it works. You know? It's like when you see that you have to see something like seven or nine times. Isn't that Isn't it like ten you, touch points yeah, or something before points. you buy it? Or I don't know. Is that is that accurate? Well, the these touch days? points. Or does that yeah. change now because it's digital? Yeah, it, it's it, it, it hasn't changed, and the touch points. When you talk about it that way, it could be. I read an article about this new camera right. type, you know, and then I saw it in a display ad, and then I. You know, saw it in a blog, and then my friend mentioned it, and then I bought it. Right? Yeah. So that's kind of the touch point kind of approach. Right. Um, but the other way you can shortcut that is that you know I went and browsed it, and now it's following me. <laughs> it's like a zombie. <laughs> and it's on my Facebook, and yeah. 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 Exactly. Do you um uh, do you miss it? Do you miss that whole side of digital marketing, or did you kind of run its course with what you did, and you want to now look at other things that you I, want to I, do? I, I love it, and, and the reasons I love it are that it keeps evolving. And the other reason is that it's one of those things that here in, in London, in Silicon Roundabout, we can wave the flag. Actually, it is some of the most advanced tech in the world is right, you know, right here in London, which is pretty cool. Um, part of that is because the UK has some of the most advanced uh, adoption of e-commerce. Uh, it's the highest e-commerce uh, expenditure per capita in the world. Is it? Yeah, and by no degree of, of you know accident, it's also the highest amount of marketing spend, digital marketing spend per capita. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it, it is a good place. How far to, ahead is it? Do you, do you know this? Like just you know, it? I haven't looked at it in a couple of years, but it was you know over over Europe, you know, yeah. crazy higher, like two x. Okay. okay. Uh, although you know Germany and stuff are starting to move ahead. Yeah. Uh, but you know, two years ago it was two x. Sure. Over the U.S., maybe it's 10, 15 to, uh, percent. Okay. Yeah. Is that because the U.K. consumer is, is more wealthy as well, has more money to spend, or they just get targeted and also spend more online? Cause it's because of the awesome infrastructure, BT. No, is wait, it? <laughs> <Jesus>. um, <laughs> no the, the real reason is because it's, in my opinion, and you know, there are lots of reasons why this could be, but um, it's a big enough country in population, but it's small enough in terms of delivery. Hmm. You, know, you can get stuff pretty quick. Um, and then part of it is that, you know, as much as BT can be a pain and things like that, it's a pretty wired uh, country, um, still slower than it ought to be and stuff like that, but not, not bad. And uh, the third reason is that uh, Google did an experiment here where they really subsidized agencies. And if you look at um, the U.S., you know, brands tend to run their own digital marketing more than they do in the U.K., and the agencies are the pros, and they just do a really good job of it. And, yeah. Interesting. It's, you know, London's always, like, led the world in, like, entertainment, and they've always been good at advertising and marketing. So it's nice to see them levering something up, you know, from the digital side, like we're seeing in fintech as well. Right. As opposed to, you know, trying to copy or trying to play second fiddle. Something we always talk about on this show, you know, people to complain about the lack of exits and the lack of big public exits and, and cash generating exits that creates the next, you know, the PayPal's that create the next ventures, et cetera, et cetera here. But um, do, you, do, you think, do you think marketing and advertising is kind of one way where the UK can compete? It is. And part of the interesting thing there is that you can, you know, here's why there, there are lots of disadvantages to be in London, um, but there's some advantages and, you know, there really should be more exits, and we can talk a little bit more. We were talking a little bit before about some of them, probably why not. But right. um, some advantages are, again, going back to the, the size and shape of the market, um, London isn't, doesn't have as much media as L.A., doesn't have as much tech as San Francisco, doesn't have as much finance and advertising as New York, doesn't have as much you know, kind of government as D.C., but it's all in one place, and that's powerful. You know, you can create the the buzz 
with the press uh, in London that reaches across all of the UK. Uh, you can get, you know, it's still not as free-flowing as it is in the States, but most, you know, the, the easiest and, and best access to intelligent investment is here in London. Uh, you can get the, the, the quality of technology people, you know, out, you know, an investor in a couple of companies that are based in San Francisco or, or that were, and, you know, keeping your tech talent is just a, a real hassle. You, you know, Facebook's vacuuming it up and paying lots, and, you know, they're, they're negotiating over if they want wheat or corn tortillas on their free burritos. You know, it's like, <laughs> really? That's hard Whereas to here you've got right? some damn yeah. hungry Hungarians and, you know, pretty smart Romanians and stuff right. that are pretty stoked to be here. Yeah, that's a good point. You have that whole um, talent pool that's not restricted for visas and, and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, and then the last and obvious thing is the language, right? Um, you know, yeah. companies I've been involved in, you know, several of them, uh, be either passive or active, um, they have this sandbox to work in here. It's, it's not as big as the U.S., so it doesn't scale as fast. Nothing like it. But boom, then you can ro- you get something that's working. You can roll into the states, right? language wise. Have there been many successful like UK to U.S. transfers? It's tricky, right? There have and. You know, there are, but I think a lot of them are work in progress. You know, there's, it's, it's slow development still, right? Um, but, you know, some of the ones that, uh, you know, I'm invested in or, or, or friends with, you've got um, Skimlinks, where most of the revenues are actually U.S.-based and, and, and a lot of their activities, but their, their home is securely right here on the roundabout. Um, Commerce Social, you know, similar. Uh, you know, they're really driving into, you know, they figured out, how to structure um, social media support for enterprises, and now they're rolling that into the states. You know, struck, which I mentioned. You know, they've got the retargeting going over here, and now they're rolling into the states. You know, all of these are kind of, you know, A B round kind of plays right now, but but they are definitely rolling their their revenues or into the state side. You know your accent is very familiar, and we're all we're all from North America here, and like it's it's interesting because like if you talk to an American, there's always a story why they're here because you can't just roll up. I don't know, I don't think Brits know that or Americans know that, but you can't just roll up here. You need to work visa and everything to get here. So I was wondering, what are you doing here? And second of all, you must travel to the states a lot and go to the valley and go to the alley. And uh, what do you love and, and and dislike about the London when it comes to the tech scene? You know, you mentioned a few things. Before, cool. but but first of all, what are you doing here? Or how did you get here? It's kind of random. Um, Always is, <laughs> and, and it was random, and then it wasn't. I guess uh, you know the first time I came here, I was I was in Brazil. I was pretty happy. The real crashed. The currency. Um, I had an, uh, another offer, so I was going to leave McKinsey and go and do something anyway. But I thought that would be a good opportunity to, to consider other things. This is nineties. This is ninety nine. Okay. It was actually the end of 98, so the beginning of 99. And, uh, you know, my best buddy from undergrad was a VC here, and he said, man, you know, there's money that's looking for invest- uh, entrepreneurs, and there just aren't enough here. Um, why don't you come over? Let's just figure something out. I was like, you know, Internet, 99, you could really feel the wave. You know, you knew it was getting pretty ridiculous. Um, you looked, I looked at California, and I'd been looking at the internet since like ninety four, ninety five. That was my plan. I got kind of distracted into Latin America, which is was you know interesting. But but I'd always wanted you know plan to get involved with, deeper with the internet. And in California, it was just not so. I remember the thing that kind of pushed me over the edge was there was a, a dot com startup, you know, true style, and you know they just couldn't find enough ways to spend their money fast enough. It was a blimp over a football game in San Francisco, and I'm like of some unknown random startup. And I'm like, really? I mean, that's yeah. ridiculous. Have you read the book Burn Rates? I don't know if you ever read that, but it was like no. people would brag about their burn rate. You know? oh, right. And if it wasn't big enough, they couldn't get the investment because you won't spend enough money. Exactly. you, know, you got to go all the way. you got to go for it. It's crazy. Um, and so we did, we, did, we did the chat. We literally showed up. Our idea was to copy-paste something from America. Um, but it went through like 450 ideas or business plans or companies that were IPOing or whatever. And I just, you know, didn't think they were credible. <laughs> um, and, you know, if I look back, I think we probably overthought some things too. I mean, we, we, we often didn't do things because we thought the incumbents would come and kick our ass. 
and you look at it now and they still haven't done some of it, right? <laughs> we really should have done easier things. Uh, and in, in a lot of ways we, we decided to do what we ended up doing in part because it, you know, we literally had a kind of a, a speech. It was like, we're going to do it because it's hard and that way nobody else will do it. And it's like, you know, let's do it with like a place with 15 languages and, and seven currencies and, you know, really make it difficult just because that way nobody else will do it. Um, so in retrospect, maybe better, better to keep it simple. A little overthinking. Yeah. And just play the game better than them. Yeah. Okay. Or, or just be faster, right? Like, tell you what we ended up doing, which was, you know, it's still the market-leading uh, business in what it does, which is industrial asset auctions online. Hmm. So our idea was kind of think eBay, but bigger, right? I mean, B2B. big ticket items. Yeah. Okay. And, 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 and so these were, you know, we, some of the things we got to do was driving dump trucks that are the size of a building and, you know, uh, we're auctioning them off online and um, cranes, um, but then also packaging machines, metalworking machines, things like that. And part of the reason was because we thought cars, you know, car auctions, yeah, but that's just too easy, right? Um, Somebody else, you know, the the incumbents will come and crush us. And it was pretty crazy that, you know, we ended up building our business up um, and listed it in 2006 but I was looking in 2008 and they still hadn't really sorted it for the car business which is so much easier right? yeah um, but anyway um, how'd you get to London I mean like visa wise and stuff did you or, or, or should I not bring that up on the air <laughs> I, um, I I did a, a pretty classic mistake is I got to the customs and and they said you know what are you doing I was like I'm just unemployed <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah that didn't go well. Um, Unemployed so then they, you know, then it. I got you know slam slam, whoop, 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 and they talked to me for a couple hours, and finally it was like reasonably credible that I had enough cash that I could, I wasn't going to be a burden to society. Um, and then I, you know, got another passport. The nice thing, you know, in America you can get a spare passport, and so all the markups they did in mine, I just didn't do. And then I just made sure I was gone um, every few months. I wasn't, it wasn't like I was being paid, so we just did the startup bootstrap, literally lined up on three browsers, uh, credit card applications, and you know hit them all at once, so hopefully they wouldn't have the most up-to-date credit history, and you know, levered up, you know, put in some personal cash, and you know, we put a hundred grand dollars behind uh, the business to get it started between me and my business partner. Wow. And, um, and then we were just working in a, in a, in a friend's flat uh, in, uh, in West London. And then we started getting a couple of interns. We had another idea. We were like, hey, you've done your, your business school internship at Morgan Stanley or Goldman. You know, now come and see how a real business is. And we got these great interns. And we got seven interns. So there were three of us and seven interns. And they were awesome. And we were just cranking. And we had whiteboards everywhere and cables my friend came home two days early and she just said what the hell is going on here and I was like you're not supposed to be here yet she's like this is my house <laughs> look I'm going to take a walk and I want this place the way it was in 20 minutes <laughs> damn and we had just heard for, from this other dot com uh, that had been backed by uh, Atlas Venture that they had found some awesome space you could rent by the week in Truman Brewery way out east and so we literally you know, didn't have anything else to do. We loaded up the taxi <laughs> with all the computers and cables and came out and then, you know, one person staked out the stuff while the other one kind of said, well, so is it true? We can get this by the week. And, and some wacky Israeli that had bought the place said, yeah. And that's right around the corner. And right this is like 2000 or? 99. Wow. So this was July 99. Yeah. And how much was rent for a week? I don't remember. <laughs> you know, I'm telling they you, pay the you. bathrooms didn't work. In the winter, I remember people had those gloves with the holes in the fingers because yeah. they were freezing and you could see your breath. So was there any tech in the area at all? There were a few of us. There was a, there was a, a there were some trance music guys and a, a kind of a ethnic-oriented modeling agency and two startups. One was called Click Mango. And, and ourselves in, in the building at the time. So that was the beginning of that, that tech hub. Yeah. 
I was in the city then, and like, no, you would never walk up to Shoreditch back then. <laughs> like, you would never go. I remember, like, sometimes we would send kids to, like, the Rivington to get burgers, but, like, it was not an option to hang out. And people don't know, it's probably, like, you know, less than a mile away. But it was just a neighborhood you wouldn't go into, even though it's, like, right next to the financial capital. And now, obviously, Shoreditch is, is a tech, tech capital, but you've seen it then for 14 years yep. evolve. Yep. So, what, what, have you, cool. what have you seen happen, and where's it going? Um, you know, one of the things you learn is that up and coming is an awesome phrase, but it sometimes takes a lot longer than you think. And then all of a sudden it happens. Right. And, um, and, uh, you know, in order to not have a commute, we just found a place right next to it, which was this cool 1724 Georgian house that we had like eight people living in. Um, you know, you don't get that in, in Millbrae or you know, uh, Mountain View, that's for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, what we saw evolve was it went from, you know, Spitalfields, which had the little card table, uh, kind of market to really high end, lots of glass and concrete and, you know, in some ways that's a little sad, but it's also kind of nice. It's pretty, pretty, pretty stylish now. And, and I think it's become, it's gone from, um, you know, a theoretically cool place to live, but you had to walk you know, half a mile to get to an ATM to a really awesome place to live. It's, it, to me, you know, I left there uh, in '03 and was surprised when I came back in, in '08 uh, at how much it had evolved. And what, it, what was missing about London to me was that New York sense of just bumping into people you know, having, you know, different kinds of people, different walks of life in the same space, the, in a kind of convivial place that you can, you know, talk to people, coffee shops, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I was really thinking about moving back to the States and the evolution of East London being more of a, a convivial, close-knit place is definitely a lot of what's made me stay. It's funny, we've heard that before, like density is actually a factor in innovation, mm-hmm. right? And it's... Which is sure, counterintuitive because yeah. with all the, the social media and all the online meetings and stuff these days, right. you, you, and all these, there's these companies in the states that don't have a physical address, right? They're just right. collaborations. But everyone we've spoken to that sat there says that you need like a physical density of people and ideas in order to generate new ideas. You know, you have to be like on top of each other and looking at each other. Do you, do you agree with that? I do. I, I think not every day, not all the time, um, but you have to have that that sense of community and you know that sense of community you initially get by spending time together right and then you can be a bit more spread out and communicate every day but uh you can't beat that human um vibe right and where do you think we're going from here i mean do you, is it kind of ramping like you said is it kind of finally climbing or do you think we've got a long a lot further to go as far as the area build up and stuff I think the building you were in for a long time you said is going to be torn down soon on the roundabout um, I, I'd love it if you even gave us a little brief history of the roundabout because you know I walked around here for two years and didn't know what was going on tech wise and I felt like a real dork well I remember when I when I was living here I, I thought you know and here's the thing that kind of sucks to say but it's a really ugly roundabout <laughs> oh jesus don't get me started and then they bu- they've, they've built this luxury high-rise next to it like the yeah. bezier building i looked at one of the flats i mean the, the top penthouses go for like probably a million and a half and it overlooks the it's probably ugliest ugly roundabout, roundabout there is in europe uh, i thought for years i just love it if they could just put some turf over it or, or a garden or yeah. what, is, what is in the middle though uh, it's a tube station, really, right? I mean, it's there's, trains, you can go in there, okay. tubes, yeah. but there are tra- plans to redo the whole thing, and I, so. I think there are in like five years, and put a theater in there and all those crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but anyways, well, that sorry. was you know, and I think that's what's you know, some people, you know, some of my near and dear friends are both part of, we're part of, or uh, massive critics of you know, Tech City, uh, TCIO. Um, but I think one of the best things I can do is really just make it. a a nice place to live and work, right? You know, you get the good designers here and the programmers here who just want to be here. And, um, and you know, a lot of the government stuff around visas and, and taxes have kind of let a lot of the natural factors after that do its work. But um, So give them the, the wheat tortilla option. Yeah. Like, you know, they, I mean, things do need to be a nice around here. You need to have decent facilities to attract people, right? Yeah, and man, I'm telling you, you know, like you look in San Francisco now and, 
and the valley, which is where so much was developed, was you know it's it's really boring, man. Um, and everybody wants to be in the city now and, and, okay. and on Market Street and you know, Mission and things like that. Um, and similarly, that's where here it's it's just it's got a vibe. It's, yeah. you know, it stays alive. It's kind of interesting. So I think that's cool. But um, yeah, the building is pretty cool because there's a little history there, and that is where this whole kind of Silicon Roundabout uh, came about. Which was when was that the, term coined? I think it was '09, and I think it was a was it a Telegraph article, something like that. Okay. And, okay. Um, so recent. There was Moo.com and Last FM, and about three or four, you know it was a handful, like maybe six, eight, nine, if you really stretched companies, but those were probably two of the best known ones that were right around there. And uh, and and some somebody in the press kind of coined it that, and, and everybody hated it. And then, really? <laughs> you know, you're just copying the valley. Why do you have to be like them? Why do you have to be like them? And, you know, who cares what the the pundits say? People used it. People like it. It's cool. Yeah. You know, it works. It works. Sticks. And then Tech City, you know, the government tried to rebrand it. It's Tech City. It's not the roundabout. That's too small. You know, screw it. It's the roundabout. Because <laughs> Tech City is like a greater area is what yeah. they were trying to yeah. do with that. Okay. Yeah. So you worked at that building as well. I did. You, you had... So it was pretty cool because I'm um, lucky enough to be uh, chairman of, of a company called Skimlinks, which uh, Alicia Navarro and Joe Stepniewski started. And uh, I was literally looking at the contract and... And I said, well, this is really great, but, you know, there's a decimal error here. It's like two pounds, 50 a square foot. And Latitude at the time was in, in Soho, at, you know, paying about 55 or something. And they said, no, that's it. That's, well, that's the intro rate. It doubles uh, in six months. <laughs> <laughs> I literally stepped out of the board meeting at, at the end of that, called the agent, and moved in within two weeks. Um, and because of the thing is that Moo was there um, under threat of being kicked out when they would level the building for six years, and then they finally moved out. Um, and, you know, everybody's... We were there for, like, three years. Um, you know, and if you can deal with the uncertainty of being, you know, shifted out, then it's great, and uh, it's a great startup maneuver, I think. Um, but the, the effects, and you're seeing it here, um, are that the, the startups and the artists... Uh, that were finding these kind of cheap flats and stuff like that. There were a whole bunch of them. And then Edited moved next door, and so you can't move next door. And, you know, a lot of these places, you know, you really start building that hub. And then you started bumping into, you know, Mike Butcher of TechCrunch or, or Robin Klein, who's, you know, awesome investor, my hero, um, all these people. And you just bump into them, and you start talking business and, and pleasure, and you build these relationships. Um, and it was because of it was pretty cheap and pretty easy to get to. Um, but now they're leveling it. They're going to put a big, expensive building there, and shortage rents have gone up, and so things are moving. Um, interesting. Most of it's moving east, but right. some of it's actually moving, you know, back kind of Clarkenwell. Uh, I like what's going on at Warner Yard now too. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of seed places that are moving kind of back the other way. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, do you, do you think this area is going to get priced out eventually? I mean, do you think all the all the Mountain View companies are going to be here with like their headquarters, or do you th- still think it's going to keep? You know, that, that kind of homegrown vibe. I think um, it's already happening, right? But hopefully the companies are scaling to it, too. Um, and, you know, so you know, Google put in their bid over in King's Cross. But, you know, if you're Cisco or, you know, any of these companies, you, I know, actually, I remember I was talking to the guys uh, with Zendesk and Yammer because, uh, you know, the friends from the States, and you know, they, where, where, where should we be, you know, east, looked it around, you know, it looks like crap, right? <laughs> so they put it over in Soho, we can't get good salespeople if we're over there. Boom, they, you know, a year later they moved over here because it's, it's got the, 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 the momentum, right? Um, but when the Yammers come in, bankrolled by Microsoft, then it pushes the startup guys out to, you know, Hackney or um, Hackneywick, or, uh, which is like the really funky stuff, or, or you know, it just, it's a natural process. Yeah. yeah, and then we uh, bend over to the level thirty nine, and like that's kind of like the extreme area there. But there's, there's so much more room to grow, yeah. kind of east. Now, now you've been angel investing for a long time, and uh, I was just wondering, I don't know how that's gone, how you kind of manage your portfolio. Are you still looking for investments, and is it harder today than it, than it used to be? Cool, lots of questions there. Um, yeah. I, you know, first off, I, I really am thrilled because I got lucky. Um, we um, so with Go Industry this this. Uh, 1.0.com uh, we managed to raise our cash just after the crash 
uh, a, a big slug of cash, and then we were able to be sensible, not listen to the the prevailing theory that the faster you burn, the better you are. You know, we used the money to kind of buy some companies, build up, and then we ultimately listed it uh, on AIM in 2006. Um, so that gave me a little bit of time. Um, thought about what I'd do. Thought about moving back to the states, go to India, go to China, um, and decided that uh, you know. There's a great community here, uh, but it was nascent. There was lots of learnings, but you know, there were lots of good assets. And it was just one of the nicest things. You asked me earlier, when I go back and forth to the States, what do I miss, what do I like? And I used to beat myself up a lot because, um, you know, hey, the companies are bigger and they grow faster there. It's a true fact. Yeah. Um, but when you are working in the web in San Francisco... You know, you and, and whose army, right? I mean, big deal. Um, you know, it's, it, there's not that community feel. Whereas here, people are really trying to help each other out. It is a community. You feel, you know, it's like the old American TV show Cheers. You know, you, you go in, everybody knows your name. It's nice. You know, it's, it's, it's friendly. And there's something to that. And yet there's still some opportunity. And there are companies like Spotify that, you know, London borrows from Sweden and stuff like that. But... Um, that are building up uh, and making names. Um, But back in 07, it was still kind of potential, and I thought, well, wouldn't it be fun if I could be a very small part of that? And Saul Klein, just at the time, had started moving from these kind of weekly coffees to the idea of having an accelerator, a seed fund. And so I invested in that and got very heavily involved and was on the initial board there. And that gave me you know, great opportunity. Worked with Reshma, uh, who was the CEO there, and, and got to see hundreds and hundreds of startups. Okay. Uh, what was the company? Uh, it's called Seed Camp. Oh, Seed Camp. Yeah, of Seed course. Camp. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've got one of the guys coming up in a few weeks. From, I think Carlos is coming on. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, you know, for somebody who was new to the game, you know, you get, the, the important thing, I think, is you get pattern recognition. You see hundreds of these companies, you start seeing, you know, founders and things that kind of work. And I, in, in that initial batch, I invested in Ed Spiegel. Uh, and again, you know, it's names, it's people. It's, it's, you know, the concept changed twice. It was a collaborative consumption idea back in 08 that just never had a chance. So he just pivoted a couple of times and got uh, something that was getting people in the flats. And he sold it. We couldn't get any VCs to put money in. Um, so with 200,000 pounds of investment in it, um, we just had to live on... Oh, revenues, <laughs> and he made it uh, made it work and sold it for ten million. And when you only put two hundred grand into something, that's that's a nice exit, but it's not the the, the two hundred million one yeah. that's going to fuel the roundabout, right? You know, yeah. and, and they moved to the states. Um, but other ones uh, in that batch, um, you know, Ryan Knotts with my builder, and, and that one kind of built up, and then through some of the seed camp pieces, I, I, I invested in. Uh, ten companies in total. One of them mine, so nine, not mine. And only one blew up. So uh, some of them are still, you know, they need to make their way. But uh, but you know, I would say the main thing is you learn that it's about the people. Yeah, we keep hearing that over and over again. Uh, it's our know, tagline. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's funny. It's our tagline, and like I've asked people, like when you you know, how much is the product and how much is the person? You know, when you go to invest in a company or or hear a pitch, and I might as well ask you, like, what's the percentage breakdown? Or I guess you just kind of answered it. I mean, what do you what do you look for when someone comes and pitches you? Is it really just a job interview in disguise? It depends on the phase, for sure. Um, I think when you're talking super early stage, and for me, you know, my, my quantums of capital are, are pretty small, so the only way I'm going to, you know, get any interesting return is to go pretty early where you're hopefully getting some pretty solid uh, standout returns. And at, at a very early phase, you know, it, it, things could change a lot, you know, and you need people that you're trusting to be able to adapt and, and, and evolve. The later stage you get, the more that you're looking at traction, you're looking at client base, you're looking at, um, you know, that, that product. And the product's ultimately a result of the people, right? And did you ever want to get more involved in like later stages? Have you ever thought I want to be a VC guy? Or uh, it's funny we had like Raj Ramanandi on here, and he's like, once it gets above twenty people, he gets bored. You know, once it gets to where you you know have a marketing plan or whatever, he gets bored. Uh, is that you too? 
I, I love it. I love seeing the evolution. And, and you know, let's make no mistake, I, I'd, I'd love um, some of my, some of anything I invest in to be you know, Facebook-sized or Google-sized. I remember looking at Facebook back in 08, 09, looking at the team as they were moving into Europe. And I'm like, man, that must kind of suck to be, you know, the appendage of, you know, an American company. And then you look at how monstrous they became and the guys that were, the, you know, the people that were there early and... Yeah, they're pretty happy. <laughs> so, so, you know, being part of something much bigger, I think it can be awesome as long as it's a cool, cool situation. Um, but, uh, but it is exciting in that early stage, and, and that's where a lot of my strength is. You know, I'd say it's between, you know, companies I've built. I guess where I'm lucky is, I've, you know, built from scratch a couple companies and scaled up to, you know, 300 or so employees. Uh, run Latitude is like 150 or something like that. So I'm happy with that initial stage uh and i can have i've got a decent amount of experience trying to help people get you know fundraising and stuff like that and i like that then it's about hr and hiring and then it's about you know going to market getting that next round of financing ideally it's revenues sales and then it's about structure and and global expansion Um, all those phases exciting um so i can't i can't say uh that i don't wish we you know some of them grew to 26,000 people. Right. It could be kind of yeah. fun. <laughs> what am I missing, Colin? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess, you know, it'd be great. We talk about the people, and I, I, I don't really know the story of ICE or, or how that got going. And obviously, you felt the need to sort of put some great people together and, and make, you know, see what happens. So maybe you could tell, tell that story a little bit. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, to be honest, um, it's not like it was a plan. That, that's a really you know, intriguing, organic story that really came from a lot of people. And when you get a lot of great entrepreneurs together, things happen, right? You know, you don't have to kind of plot it all out. You get evolution and, and, and people chipping in. But back in 2009, um, I was trying to decide, do I want to go back and do another startup or did I want to just kind of stay on the investment side? And it's ran a, it organized a ski weekend of a bunch of investors up in Verbier. And, Love you know, Verbier. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's well, we had we had a ski trip every year when I was at ICAP. In oh, really? So five years in a row, I just went to Verbier for the weekend, and that's all I ever saw. Like, awesome. come on back. I never, got, never, I got, yeah. I got a pad there for you. Yeah. Yeah, I've never compared it to other places, but yeah. it's it's up there, right? It's you know, it's some of the best skiing in the world, and and then on a more superficial basis, it's south facing, sun shining in the afternoon. It's great. <laughs> yeah, and a good vibe in the town, right? Yeah, it's a walkable yeah. town. It's Swiss Village. It's cute. Yeah, sorry, you were you were saying. <laughs> but anyway, you know, and it was a nice weekend with a bunch of investors, and then, you know, was chatting with a real new kid on the block uh, in town who was a Josh March, and you know, said, "Well, hey, you know, can you help? I'd love to organize a weekend for entrepreneurs." And you know, he chipped in, and and the two of us, you know, were like, "What are we going to call it?" It's like, well. You know, it's in Verbier, and it would be kind of fun to make it something cheeky. Uh, well, let's call it Vice, uh, but then we have to figure out what the acronym means. So we came up with Inter- International Conclave of Entrepreneurs, <laughs> Vice, uh, and and it's evolved to to be Ice today, which is oh, the V was Verbier. The V was Verbier. Okay, got it. Yeah. And uh, it was twenty nine uh, entrepreneurs, and most of us kind of knew each other, but not amazingly well. And uh, what we found almost immediately was that there was, you know, and, and most of us had to be torn away from our, our work because we were all doing startups of various shapes and sizes, but mostly between kind of bootstrap and maybe Series A. Um, and, but it was super cheap because, of, you know, most people just crashed in my, my chalet and then we got one next door. Um, but uh, what people found right away was, holy cow, I'm spending all my days, you know, bottling up so much stress because I got to pretend to the staff that everything's just fine <laughs> and you know, try to be, you know, mature on the job and grow on the job and, and do a good job as the boss. But then I got to talk to the investors and I'm going to make them think everything's just fine. But, you know, <laughs> and, and then, you know, I go home and see my partner and, 
you know, I can't always bitch about work all the time, so I got to bottle that up too. And then all of a sudden, you have to pretend, these... pretend at home that everything's just fine. <laughs> <laughs> they say fake it till you make it, right? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. This is the greatest breakdown of an entrepreneur yeah. we've ever had on the show. Like, <laughs> this is what you get to do. And the great thing was, everybody, yeah. first off, you know, nothing like some Jaeger bombs to really get the show on the road. And then, second, people just really being able to be honest and, and just, you know, this sucks and we're this crisis and this channel challenge and you know and and then people oh yeah i had that problem you know here's an idea um, hey right. you know have you talked to these guys have you you know tried this software and you know on the ski lift or whatever you get a little bit of away time you get, you're forced out of your your natural environment um and you know really sadly but quite pivotally we had a, there was a tragedy one of the guys uh, actually, you know, crashed and died uh, at the uh, at the end of the trip. Um, you know, a lot of us were already gone, but it, it, and it was horrible. Just like a tree or into someone else, or it was it, the visibility went to zero, and they just got lost. And they just uh, it wasn't like a, an active crash, right? Wow! Um, but they got lost, and then it's a longer story. But you know, that really brought everyone very tightly together. And, and, you know, you think about, you know, a year later, we're all dealing with our, our, our day-to-day stress. We're still pretty freaked out about that. And, um, and somebody said, yeah, you know, it'd be great if you can do it again. Uh, and I was like, are you kidding me? Right? And they're like, no, man. It's like the last thing you would right. think you'd want to do. Yeah. And I was like, you know, first off, we're all just crazy busy. And second, you know, um, how do we deal with the, how do we process what happened, right? We said, you know, and it was a guy named Simon Proctor, actually. He, he said, well, I, I can help organize a lot if you, if you want to do it. Sent out an email, and within half an hour, you know, you had everybody, not, not quite everybody, but like 20-odd people were already back on the program. Mm. And, you know, from there, I went up to kind of 55 people um, who became really tight. And, uh, you know, and we really miss... Um, uh, the uh, Rob who, who who died, but on the other hand, you know, part of that was a catalyst to bringing us all really tightly together, and it's been unmatchable. I mean, you, we've had weddings and you know, kids without weddings, and um, <laughs> you know, lots of you know, great friendships and companies that have come together and companies that have busted up, and you know, it's almost like you know, having people, you know, people in your community. You know, get divorced and you work through it, and everybody's okay. And, <laughs> um, and and you see the evolution. And and back then, like I say, it was pretty scrappy. But now you've got you know amongst them were you know Michael Acton Smith, who was on his last you know chunk of cash, turning to his investors and saying, "I got this new idea," uh, which turned out to be Moshi Monsters. And you have um, you know Andy from Huddle, who also had you know pretty challenging situations that year. That now it's become a you know, great business, uh, and Ali was there actually as well. Um, you know, folks have, you, you really get a nice set of perspective. Um, and some of the people's businesses haven't worked out, but, you know, pick them back up and they keep charging. And the big piece of it is everybody helping each other out and everybody caring about each other as people as well as, as, as their business. It's not, you know, you know your, your card is part of it, but it's only part of it, right? Yeah, you said that. I think you said it's important for everybody to get to know one another and then be be there for each other over time. And you stress like physical contact, don't you? Like, mm. let's really get together. Yeah, and that's part of the, you know, one of the problems is that it, it, we feel it, it, sometimes maybe it sounds like a there, there are about 150 people in the group now, and it's mostly founders, but also some VCs and. and other kind of ecosystem supporters and journalists. You know, David Rowan from Wired's pretty, pretty, you know, very helpful and interested. Um, but you know, Dun- the Dunbar number concept. Have you yeah. heard of that one? Yeah. Uh, well, if you could explain it really quick to yeah. the people. Yeah, it's it's a vague number. Nobody knows what it is, but it's it's the point in an organization when everybody's part of a community versus being part of silos of different communities, right? And you know, he estimates it's between 100 and 155 people. 
I don't know how he comes up with the number, but we've kind of stuck with it. Um, because you know, first off, you have to go on a trip to get to know each other. But then when that email comes through and says, hey, you know, I've got visa problems in New York. Anybody got any ideas? Um, I've got this, you know, is this term sheet term? Sounds a little wacky. Um, any, any experience with that? You jump and you help them because you're part of that, that community. So, you know, we do try to phase some of the folks out that are less active and keep making room for more. And the application process isn't like, oh, my God, you know, you've, you've raised 20 mil and you've done this. It, it, it's, it's also uh, very much, uh, I think, the mo- it can be most helpful for people who are just getting started um, because you're suddenly in there with a lot of access to experience and knowledge. You know, and whether the companies uh, have become multi-hundred million plays or not, the people in that group have built up some experience and love to share it. And, and you always have this annual ski trip that's like the minimum event, or do you have other times where people get together? It must still be hard getting guys together for a ski trip in Switzerland. Not anymore. Not anymore, okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the last ski trip uh, was 80 people. Um, so that was pretty cool. cool. Um, and uh, we decided to kind of do some things in the summer, and you know, we went to kind of you know Croatia and Sicily. And then last year, just had this idea, wait, um, you know, what if we go somewhere where there's people on the other side um, the, in tech? And so we went to Israel, hmm. and it was amazing. Cool. I mean, really? they rolled out the red carpet. You know, they had they're, they're great technologists. Yossi Vardy was awesome. You know, meet the president of the country. Um, <laughs> wow. One of the entrepreneurs that really made it decided, yes, I think you should see Israel by helicopter. So I was like, yeah, but there's 45 of us. Okay, a sortie of helicopters then. <laughs> but, um, wow. So it, it's cool. definitely kind of expanded at scale. But, um, but again, what we do is we really work to make it cheap so that uh, the bootstrappers can make it as well as the people that have done it right. And the next one, we're going to Africa. And we've also really been pushing to a new initiative, you know, inspired a little bit by like Scott Harrison from Charity Water and a few others, to say, you know, we've got all this energy and ideas and experience. How can we make that something that's impacting you know, impact organizations. So uh, we're going to Africa the 15th to the 24th of November. Yeah. Okay. Do you do something with, with Scott, with Charity Water, or are you just kind of looking at his model? Looking at the model, people? some of the people, um, some and, and the power of ICE is actually the individuals all just doing their bits. And so Pete Ward from Wayne and, and Ricka Rosenland from Borrow My Dog are putting together a bash Thursday, actually, um, uh, tomorrow. Um, it, for charity water, and we'll hopefully meet some of them down in, in Africa, but uh, but nothing you know super formal. Okay, and if people want to become a member of ICE, how do they do it? Um, Got to just because it's a people network. Get to know a couple of the folks uh, that are in it. There's a the website is icelist.eu. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, in there, and uh, then you got to come on a trip. Okay. I'm going to hit you with our advice question. We ask everyone that comes on here. So, um, so here you go. If, if you could make a, a phone call to the 20-year-old Alex Hoy, and uh, why would you have been at Stanford at the time, right? 1989 or something? Um, <laughs> stay there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stay there. <laughs> Before the internet Steve existed. Jobs, he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, bye next. Um, yeah. yeah, and give him some advice. What, what would you tell that guy? That's really interesting. Um, I think, you know, a few things. I, one of the things that I'm a little bit um, contra to a lot of the prevailing attitudes right now, uh, which are, you know, the idea is, you know, you're 16, 17, 18, or 20, 21, 22, um, drop out, start your company, you know, go right away. And I was, I'm, I'm uh, every, everybody always filters everything from what they've done, uh, and, and I'm doing that, so you can just ignore it if you want. But I'm like ridiculously blue chip, uh, you know, McKinsey, Harvard, Stanford, whatever. I think the values of those entities has changed, and maybe it's more Google or, you know, again, Huddle or something like that. But I think it is good for people to go and work at another company and learn from what good, you know, learn what good looks like from somebody else. And so I did that in, in, in a lot of ways. I'm pretty happy with that. As in like 1,000 plus employee good? I don't think it has to be a size of employee good, but you know we were talking about it a little bit yeah. before the show, and I think 
you know, some of these institutions between, you know, they, they harden you up, they make you, they, they challenge you, you know, everything's not, oh yeah, all ideas are good, no, sometimes it's bad, and you just need to be beaten up a little bit, right? Um, so, one thing I would say is that I wouldn't change, you know, building a base. I would have probably said, um, uh, yeah, I was looking at the internet in 94, and but I decided, uh, well, I'd go to the East Coast first and then come back. And then I ended up in Latin America and then in Europe. And, you know, it's been a great trip. I don't know. I, I think you got to experience it all. Yeah. It's hard to uh, just slip through it. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we get that. I mean, it's, it's interesting. You can give that guy advice, but you know, the guy giving him advice is the guy that lived through all that stuff. Yeah, I'd so, hate to like, miss a lot of that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, the failures too. Um, on that same note, what's the best advice you've ever received? You know, I um, my, I mentioned him earlier, but my favorite person in terms of companies and stuff is, is Robert Klein, uh, uh, Robin Klein, and. You know, the advice he tends to have is all about, um, you know, really focusing on uh, building something that will be unique and grow and invest in, in getting the right people. Um, so that's nothing new or exciting. It's just hard to do sometimes. Is that like don't focus on the numbers as much and focus on, on like something that really adds value? Is that? I think you know, and I'll, I'll, I was definitely a victim of it too, and probably focused on, you know, in Europe, a little too often we do focus on the revenue to prove the model, um, and sometimes you do have to just get the numbers up to make it relevant. You know, I think if I look at what I would do differently, you know, make something that can be big. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if it, you know, ideally it doesn't cost insane amounts of money so that you don't have to, you know, sell your soul and all your equity to get there. But, um, you know, make, make something that's going to make a difference. You know, be bold. I, I really do look at folks that have done things I haven't done for sure. And, and you know, like, like Daniel Eck, I remember when he came and talked to me in 09 and said, you know, yeah, well, we'll just do the, you know, break into the mu- music business. Wow. Good luck with that, man. And you know, look what he's done. Right? He was bold. Right? You don't do something bold, you know, you don't, you don't try, you don't win. Right? You've already kind of given the, the last part of that question is the advice to the 20 year old listening and you've given a bit of it. And it's weird because like we do this show and we feature all these successful people, don't we? And so like anyone watching is like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to move to the shortage and start my company and quit school and all that stuff. So do you kind of say, go ahead and get that Ivy League education or get that three-year degree here in the UK and then go ahead and work for a corporation for a few years? I mean, is that, is that kind of advice you give or, you, or not such a bad option, that advice? I, I, you know, look, if you're Bill Gates, you know, you're an idiot to stay in school, but most people aren't. That's word, right? So many of those stories, though, right? right. Zuckerberg. Gates. But as a percentage, they're so small. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, unless you're... He's super genius who's got something like go go work for someone yeah and i for me it's it's not necessarily a thousand person but it's just have a boss yeah first step right? okay yeah they has been there and done right. that a little bit yeah right? yeah who can but be very selective you. about who that is sure sure mm. but even just being told what to do because a lot of founders and, and younger kids they just they've never been told what to do maybe other than by their parents so they go try to start up a company and maybe you know, they leave the office at four one day. When if you had worked for someone who really rode you, you'd know that that's not that's not going to work. That's not that's not what's going to get you to where you want to be. Yeah, I, I think you know. I, I think get it get get the university education. But there's nothing that says you can't do some side projects, man. You know, I started a couple of businesses in school and university, and you know, I learned a lot from that. But I never confuse that with you know. The fact that I that wasn't my my primary uh, objective, and then you know get that experience with some people that that are um, that you, you respect. I mean, I ended up uh, my first job. I had gone to a speech that Jeffrey Katzenberg was giving, um, and it was just you know he's a hard ass and he 
it was you know really bright and changed the way you know Hollywood worked in a lot of ways. Um, and I pursued every angle. I slipped uh, my CV under the door of uh, the the interviewing people uh, that were on campus that day because I'd missed the deadline and because I didn't think I really was interested in Disney. And then I found out well actually these, these guys are pretty inspiring. Chased it, um, and that's and I learned a lot from those guys. So. But what I would say, you know, and I was just asked the other day, would, you know, MBA, no MBA. You know. I think if you know you want to go into the web, you know, an MBA is a great place to hatch your next, pro, your, you know, a project. And that is a good place to build a business. But then just recognize you're probably going to have some debt. <laughs> so you might be better off to just, you know, go straight. But I would work with another company for a little while and get some experience. You know. They say Harvard Business School is all about the network. Totally. Yeah. Is that totally true? Uh, not only. Um, that's shortchanging it a little bit. I, I, I'll be honest. I went because I thought it would be a lot of fun, and it was. Um, but I learned more than I expected to, and a lot of it has to do with articulating. You know, you're, you're forced every day for 200 days over two years to synthesize what a problem is, identify prospective solutions, and then discuss it. Right? And that's, that's good practice. Um, but, you know, the opportunity cost of, you know, it used to be that you had to go through that filtering process to get a job at a company that then you could work your way up into the Fortune 50. And now you don't have to. You can, you can build your own business. And so I loved my MBA, right? And I, if you, if, I made some of the best friends in my life, and, and, and I learned a lot. But I wouldn't say it's a necessity at this point, yeah. Did yeah. you do your MBA with a bit of a gap? Uh, so did you sort of do your undergrad, then work for a bit, and then yeah. do your MBA? Yeah. And I definitely recommend Which, that. Yeah, because yeah. you actually learn more, I, I think, if you've been out there for four or five years or whatever, rather than just jump from education to education. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Alex, what's ter- Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And, and, and I guess in terms of the advice thing, it, it is a little challenging. What would I tell myself? When I, when I was 20, it probably has more to do with girls than, than business. But You can share um, that, too. <laughs> it's all good advice. Stay away from them. <laughs> Don't marry them. Yeah. But, but in terms of the, um, you know, Europe and how do we break out of the cycle of subscale companies and slow-growing companies. And I think part of it, you have to ask yourself and realize, and we look when, when we're entrepreneurs and staring ourselves in the eyes, recognize one thing, man. Um, it's hard. You know, it is... It is really hard. You are constantly facing running out of money. You, in order to get scale, you have to start paying people, and then they're dependent on you. And you know it makes you grow up early. Um, and you know I look around, and I'm I'm working in a co-working space now, and it bums me out a little bit to see everybody gone. It's like 6:30. Well, I'm you know I'm not, and um, I think you got to recognize that it's 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 cool, um, but there's a lot of hard hard work and a hard slog to really make an impact and you know it's not just hard work you also need to be you know work work smarter not harder um but you need to work harder too <laughs> do you see that is that like if you fly to silicon valley and hang out in mountain view and all that stuff is that something that you notice right away that people seem to be pushing in an extra gear or driving a little harder there is a bit more uh, driving a little bit harder I, I do think that there are countervailing benefits here but I would love to see some of the work ethic just click up a notch here. But that's one reason that people with our accents tend to do well over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm really glad you articulated that. You know, I think it, it needs to be said. We've heard different people say different things, you know. Yeah. Two, two weeks ago, we had someone who said he leaves by example. That was Steph the Hacker. And I understand where he's coming from, is that, you know, there's a, there's a right and wrong way as a founder to drive your people and to expect them to have your work ethic isn't always the best thing. But... At the same at the same point, you've you've seen a lot of different companies. So let's get it. Kind of like creative working, I think, is really you know you put in the hours, but maybe it's you know you're not nine to nine. Maybe you're nine to five. Yeah. And you hit the gym for two hours, grab yeah. a bite to eat, and then you know crank out a few more hours with a fresh mind. I think that's sort of working smarter, not necessarily harder. I also believe in support. weekends, you know, and I yeah. didn't take enough when I was doing my right. 1.0 But you know, one of the it is kind of nice in Europe that you can be harder working and yet you're still taking more holiday than you are in the states and stuff like that and i think it does keep you refreshed yeah uh you can burn out pretty easy Uh, yeah and branson said you know said what would you do differently 
He's like, you know, hit the gym more. Uh, right. I think there's something to you know, fit body, fit mind, right? Definitely. Alex, what's next for you um, for the next, you know, next year? Are, are, is faction keep you very busy? Are you looking at new investments always? Ice months take, take some of your time? What's next on your schedule? So three things. One is with faction, you know, I built it with my co-founder, Tony, um, out of, you know, excitement and passion about the product initially. Uh, and what I'm thrilled about and the reason I stepped in full time last year was because, you know, that change in the way brands relate with people and e-commerce is totally changing all retail. And, and this is no exception. Um, so building that with a lot more uh, global, uh, great marketing, great execution uh, is taking a lot of my time right now. Um, but it's quite exciting. And. You know, we've got a long ways to go, but we just shipped 20,000, no, 20 tons of skis in the past three weeks uh, globally. Um, wow. And uh, and yet, you know, we've got a long ways to go, and it's mostly about activating people uh, digitally. Uh, so that's exciting. Um, ICE is definitely uh, important in that what I want to do is make it more valuable to the members and then start getting... Uh, some of that knowledge shared out to the community and be part more a little bit more impactful with the community. So, so that's a big goal. And then when it comes to investments, you know, uh, I've been starting to get the flow back of a few, and that's been great. Um, and but I also realize that my the difficult thing is my personal bandwidth. You can only do so many things. Yeah. Um, and I, I so in exceptional cases, I am putting. You know, bits to work, but I'm definitely not looking for it. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, you, you read, you kind of read your background, and it's like, Jesus, there's a lot going on there, and mm. we all only have so much bandwidth. All um, right, there's a, there's a point I should have said is yeah, what's that? Focus. I focus. used to think I was great at multitasking, um, and I saw this quote that I really like. It's like you're not multitasking; you're just doing a lot of things really badly. <laughs> <laughs> Jack of all trades, master of none, right? Yeah, focus. Uh, my, my last question is, do you watch the the hit show Breaking Bad? You know what? I saw the first uh, episode. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm the worst TV watcher ever. Okay. So I just don't watch Do it you anymore. watch it? Yes. He's Hank, Walter White's <laughs> brother-in-law. He's a much younger Hank. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's, yeah. it is. It's you. You're a character in there. Unfortunately, he was killed a couple weeks ago. Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> and, oh, sorry. <laughs> Did I just spoil it for you? No, I've seen it, but I think oh, okay. a lot of people. Um, is, are, are you from the Southwest or, or somewhere? Uh, I grew up between uh, Idaho and South Carolina, so I used to talk a little bit more like this. Okay. But then I lived in California for about so seven years. So it's kind years. of mixed around probably like Southwest kind of to take all those places. I lived yeah. in L.A. three years. Hell yeah. All right, well, you're, you're a dead ringer for, for Hank on the show. So it was bothering me for the first few minutes and then I got it. So. You got it. Anyways, it's a compliment. Um, <laughs> uh, um, Alex, thanks so much for coming on. How do people get a hold of you? Are you a Twitter guy or, or what's the best way for them to contact you? Yeah, I, I used to be a Twitter guy in like 09 and 10. I was doing it initially to stay in touch with my family because it was kind of cool. It was like you could do it free texts and stuff and then I got into it and was running the agency but um, part of my focus scheme and it was a little bit you said Tim Ferriss was there but um, yeah. you know it was information like dives. trying to yeah. cut my information flow out and I just haven't gotten back on that saddle much um, but obviously you can DM me uh, and I get that and so that's um, if, you follow, Alex, if you follow them if you follow them yeah uh, so that's people, true. they yeah. can't really just DM no, you no then you're right I, that's I, what celebrities they say like just DM me and yeah. then you realize that Jay-Z is never <laughs> <laughs> I just got played yeah exactly <laughs> but, so you get uh, the wrong phone number when you get home <laughs> ooh, that's true that's true it's all you know there is, there's us. actually a phone number that you can that girls can give out or people can give out I guess, that, yeah. where you call and say Hello, um, you've just been dissed. <laughs> <laughs> I've just saved you a lot. Of time. Yeah. Just, but, um, there's nothing quite like that feeling when you get the bum number. It's like something a woman will never understand. That voicemail, they should give you something in return to make you feel better. But if you stay online and complete the survey, we'll give you a voucher. Right. $50 off your next dinner. But uh, just alex at hoy.org, uh, H-O-Y-E dot O-R-G. Excellent. Awesome. Thanks so much. Um, really good perspective. And um, thanks for being honest about that whole work 
thing, you know. It's good to have someone say it, right? Honesty is the key, yeah. It's sure. the best. Awesome. Um, it's about the people here at Silicon Real. We, uh, we would love some suggestions, right, when it comes to guests and future guests, things like that. Right? Everything. Guests, suggestions. Um, like I mentioned, we're getting, this is episode 14. Uh, we need help. Yeah. So, yeah, so if, uh, if you're interested in, in, in what we're doing and getting involved... Reach out to us. Yeah, we're looking for uh, someone doing business development for us, either part-time or full-time. Um, and, uh, yeah, just expanding our brand, getting a few more sponsors in, that kind of thing. So, uh, But until then, uh, we're going to keep doing this. If you're listening to us on iTunes, you can check us out on YouTube, uh, channel Silicon Reel. And, um, yeah, hit us up on Twitter is the best way to get in contact yeah. with us, right? At Silicon Reel. Awesome. Alex. And I will follow you. So you can DM us. Uh, there we go. All right, cool. Alex, best of luck. Um, uh, it was just great perspective. So thanks for coming on. Cheers. Good times. Thanks a lot. Thanks. And uh, doing some great work out there. Got to get the word out. Yeah. yeah more it's, and more. It's fun too. So, all right. Take care, guys. Thanks. What we found is that people who we connect with, you know, guess what? They, they somehow, they are more determined. They're more committed. They, you know, they, they go the extra mile to find their way into the, uh, so Fernando from Higher Life. Every gig I went to is at the back of the room waving at me. I was thinking, how did that guy do that? I have no idea how he did it. And, you know, so we, we actually really uh, embrace and encourage that. Um, it's really easy. We're very accessible. And the amazing thing is Twitter.